I wasn't raised on a farm. I was raised in town. My dad was chief of police. But both my grandfathers were on farms. One grandfather owned a farm. Another was a, a tenant farmer, which some of you understand what that is. And, but both of them had cows and pigs. And so I'd spend some time in, in, during the summers and during the course of the year, I'd spend some time with both of my grandparents and, and got to learn a little bit about raising cows and pigs. It wasn't as so fascinating to me that I decided I wanted to do it, but I at least got to, got to see kind of the process from beginning to end of, of raising cows and pigs. My dad at one time in town decided that the price of meat had gotten too high and he was going to raise his own chickens. And so when your dad decides he's going to raise his own chickens, it's a family affair. And so I got to see them all the way from biddies in a little pen to being chicken legs on a plate. I got to see the whole process. So I know a little bit about raising chickens. I never really tried to raise any kind of, of livestock personally at home. We, we have dogs and cats, and I'm, I'm pretty good with dogs. Uh, we've had dogs pretty much, Nancy and I, since we've been married. And, and so uh, I'm pretty comfortable raising, raising dogs. Cats, on the other hand, I'm just glad they don't have opposable thumbs. Because if they did, they would attack. I mean, they, they would be, it'd be, it'd be bad. So, so I know a little bit about that. But you know what? I know nothing about raising sheep. Nothing other than what I've read or what I've heard, I really, I've never experienced raising sheep. It's kind of a a new thing for me. And so when we come to the passage we're going to read, uh, I'm having to rely on some other people to help me. But you may be wondering, well, what's the big deal about raising sheep? Why Why do we need to focus on this? Well, let me tell you why I need to focus on this. First of all, because if you read through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you see that it mentions sheep a lot. Old Testament and New Testament, there's stories about sheep, there are parables about sheep, there are references to sheep, and so you find that all the time. Secondly, God refers to himself as a shepherd. Psalm 23 begins, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, okay. And that's not the only reference. And so if God's referring to himself as a shepherd, that, that sounds like something, maybe I ought to pay attention to that. A third reason is because I am a pastor. And pastor comes from a Latin word that means, guess what? Shepherd. Okay, so that means part of my role at least has to do with shepherding. And so I've got a reason to know, want to know something about shepherding and sheep. But what about you? Most of you aren't pastors. So why should you care about shepherds and sheep? Well, let me give you one reason that may be overriding. The Bible calls you sheep. You're called sheep. And therefore, knowing something about shepherding, knowing something about sheep, uh, it could be helpful for you. Well, when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, that's what we're going to read in a few minutes, and you know that you are sheep, your first reaction may be, that ain't so bad. Sheep are soft and fluffy and sweet. I remember Mary had a little lamb, and I remember the picture beside the the words. Mary had a little lamb, and I'm thinking, okay, that's what a wonderful image that God looks at me, and he sees sheep. 
Well, folks, I don't want to have this morning, I don't want to have the wool pulled over your eyes. Okay, you see where I went there. Okay, sorry. I couldn't help it. So I want to share with you this morning a little bit about shepherding the sheep, because I think it'll help us as we prepare to read the passage. And I want to actually borrow from a guy named uh, Tim Chalice, who's a Christian author. And I'm going to read some of what he wrote, and I'll ad-lib the rest of it, but I'll try to stay true to what he wrote. And Tim begins by, with a news story. And so this news story, this is legit, this is real. And he, he writes... He said, hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to local farmers was estimated at $74,000. I want you to get this. Let me tell you how it started. One lone sheep ran off a cliff. 1,499 other sheep followed. And, and, and what happened is, you know, the first ones hit, they kind of became the pillows for the rest of them they hit. So some of them survived, but many of them were just crushed. And they just kind of went off the cliff and you're thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute. God called me a sheep? And that's the example I have? And Tim Chalice, his, his first point in his article was that sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb. Now, I'm not trying to insult you this morning. I just, I want to give you the facts as they are, not as we would want them to be. That was his first point, that sheep are, sheep are dumb. His second point is that sheep are directionless. They're prone to wander. In other words, if you put sheep in a perfectly good pasture with lots of green grass and lots of still water and everything's good, and you just leave them be, they're going to wander off. And they have no sense of direction in order to come back. Every night we let the cats out. Every morning I open the door, they're right back. Cats have a sense that we own this house. You're just living here, Jimmy and Nancy. This is, this is our place. But they have a sense of direction. They can go all over the neighborhood in the night. But in the next, the next day, they're right back because they have some sense of direction. M- Mia, our dog. Before we had the, wire, the wireless fence, we, Mia would get out and run. And, and when there was actually a golf course next door, she'd go take off, run to the golf course, go meet some people, and then return about a half hour, 45 minutes later, exactly to our house. She had a sense of direction. Sheep aren't like that. Sheep are directionless. But they're also defenseless. So they're not so smart. They don't have a sense of direction, and sheep are defenseless. Think about it. Most critters can do one of three things. They can fight, they can run, or they can posture. Let me tell you what those are. To fight, I think you pretty much understand it. I mean, if you get, if you uh, run into some kind of wild animal, a wolf or something like that, and you, you back them into a corner, it'll fight. A rattlesnake, it'll bite. It, it's got, you know... 
Those kinds of things, you understand fight. Flight, run away. You encounter a deer, most likely the deer is going to take off. The deer doesn't know what you're up to. And, uh, and so the deer is going to run off. Other animals will, will run off. So you got fight and you got flight. And then the other is posture. And a posture, a rattlesnake does this. When a rattlesnake rattles, that is a posture. It is a warning, hey, you don't want to do this. There are skunk will turn around and, well, that's kind of a defensive thing. That's not really posturing. That's actually spraying. But there are, you know, the puffer fish will blow itself up. There are certain animals, uh, the cobra will spread it, you know, the, the, I don't even know what that, I should have looked that up, that, the, the head, you know, it goes flat. And so those are, that's posturing. And it's in order to get you to back down. Sheep don't have any of those things. Here's what happens if a sheep or herd of sheep are attacked. They don't fight, they don't run, they don't posture, they do what sheep do, they flock. They just gather together, they, they, they circle around one another, they get in kind of a, a pod, a, a big, big mass of sheep, and so all that the bear or the wolf or the other animal might have to do is to just pick them off one by one. They are completely and utterly defenseless. And this morning, as we approach this passage and, and we read about a good shepherd and we think about being God's sheep, we need to understand, here's the deal. In many ways, we're not so smart. We certainly don't have God-level intelligence. Most of the time, I don't even have people-level intelligence. So we're not so smart. We are prone to wander. We are prone to go off on our own, even though God provides everything we need. Uh, I've been doing my quiet times reading through uh, the Old Testament. I'll get to the New Testament later this year, but reading through the Old Testament. And, and that's what we see so much with the children of Israel, that God would bless them and bless them and bless them, and he'd give them everything they need, but they tended to wander off and go searching after other gods and other pleasures and other things. And so kind of we're kind of directionless. But we're defenseless too. We are under assaults, Michael mentioned this morning. Uh, you know, we're, we're under attacks from, from Satan, certainly. We certainly come under attacks from other people. We don't know how to fight. We don't know where to run. And the only posture we have is just to duck and cover. We're sheep. We need a shepherd. And we might wish... That God had said, hey, I'm going to compare my children to lions. I'm going to compare my children to elephants. I'm going to compare my children to bears. But when God looks at us, he sees sheep. And so let's turn and see what God has to say to us this morning in John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 10 to 18. If you'll remember last week, we looked at the first 10 verses. 10 overlaps this week and next. Uh, this week and last but this is where we're going to look this morning this is going to be where we camp ourselves this morning john chapter 10 we're going to look at verses 10 through 18 so hear the word of the lord i can get my finger on the right place here we go the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came jesus said that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees, the hired hand that is, he flees because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So what can we learn about Jesus and his mission? You remember we began a few weeks ago studying the I am's that are in John's gospel. And what we noted from that, first of all, that tied us back to God's revelation of himself, the I am. And so Jesus is identifying himself as, as God in the flesh. But this tells us something about who Jesus is and why Jesus came each time we see one of these I am statements in John's gospel. And today that I am statement is I am the good shepherd. So what do we learn? What do we see? What from this passage can we glean? Well, first of all, I would say that the good shepherd cares for his sheep. We can certainly learn that in verses 11 through 13. As a matter of fact, Kelly, if you don't mind, if you could go back to verse 11, we'll look at 11, 12, and 13 again, just to remind ourselves. Okay. It says here, as you can read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12. He who has a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. We've already stated earlier that sheep are defenseless animals. They have no natural defenses of their own. Their defense is the shepherd. The shepherd who cares for them, looks after them. When the shepherd speaks, they hear, they follow. They go out and they graze. They refresh themselves near calm water. They lie down and go to sleep. And they don't have one worry in the world. Why? Because there's a shepherd there who cares for them. And so Jesus gives us a contrast. He said, you know, there's a difference between a person who's a shepherd and a person who's just hired to look after sheep. There's a difference. Now, I will let you know that when he's talking about these hired hands, those corrupt Pharisees, that is those Pharisees who didn't believe in him, we talked about them last week, those religious leaders who could not accept Jesus, he's talking about them. Because remember, Jesus already compared himself uh, to the gate, the one who protects the sheep, looks after the sheep. He's already compared them to thieves and robbers. And so here he's compared them to hired hands. And what he's saying is, listen, the hired hand, he doesn't own any of these sheep. 
They're not his. They don't belong to his daddy. And so he doesn't really have to, to look after them like a shepherd would. As a matter of fact, when danger comes, the hired hand runs. Why should he get hurt or even killed to protect that one little lamb? Hey, better to sacrifice that lamb and just go home and say, hey, listen, you sent me out with 60. I'm coming back with 59. Be happy about it. But he says the shepherd's not like that. If the wolf comes, if the bear comes, if the lion comes, if a thief comes, then the shepherd, unlike the hired hand, is going to put himself between the enemy, the attacker, and the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. When we think of good, we've kind of got an idea of what good means. And, and part of that's true because good does mean, this Greek term does mean uh, beautiful and worthy things that we think of in terms of good. But this good also means genuine and noble and honorable. I think that's kind of what we think about when we, are, we go, for instance, I'll, I'll have to go this week to Savannah for a funeral of a dear friend. Um, and he was, he was a solid believer, a solid family man, a solid church member, a solid community member. He really was. He's what people will say, hey, he, this he was a good man. And what they're saying by that is, he was an honorable man. And, and, and that I understand. And in this sense, the good shepherd is also honorable. Perfectly so, but honorable. He is noble, not like the hired hand who runs off. He is genuine. He's got a stake in the game. He's not going to run off when trouble comes. And here's the deal. He can't help it. It's who he is. And when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I care for my sheep, he does it not because it's some act. It's because of who he is. You are his sheep. He cares for you. He will stand in the gap for you. He will be your fortress. He will be your rock. He will be your defender. He will be your shield. He can't help it. He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. When danger comes, he's there. He is our good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who cares for us. And, and I mentioned Psalm 23 earlier. Psalm 23 written by King David. Psalm 23 written by not only a king, but also someone who was a shepherd. So he fully understands it. Psalm 23 begins with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What is David saying here? And what can we learn about the good shepherd? What we can learn is that he meets our every need. I shall not want or I shall not be in want doesn't mean that every want I have every desire that I have is going to be fulfilled but it means every need I have will be fulfilled that he is the one who is there always to meet that need it means that he is the one who leads me into rest left to our own devices many of us We'd settle for a sorry substitute for rest. We'd either work ourselves to death seven days a week 
or we would substitute entertainment for rest. Activity that's not our normal work for rest. One of the reasons that people don't pull apart and you know, we're, we're told that we're not to forsake gathering together as believers. We're not to do that. They don't know the value of this. They're, they're impatient. It's like, I need to be accomplishing something. I need, to be, I need to be doing something. And some of you even this morning are sitting here thinking that you've got five baskets of laundry waiting for you when you get home. You've got that running through your head. Or you're already thinking about Monday and all the things that you've got to do tomorrow and the things that you could do today to get ahead for tomorrow so that you don't start the week behind. We don't understand the value of rest. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to lead us to rest and to find our rest in Him. And the reason many of us can't do that is because we don't honestly know that He's a good shepherd who is there, who's meeting our needs, who's got us covered, who cares, who's looking after us, who leads us to a place where there are quiet waters where our soul can be quenched. He didn't drive us like cattle. You ever seen the cowboy movies? I like cowboy movies. They're out on the range. They're driving the cattle. They have to drive the cattle. They have to get get behind the cattle. They have to get amongst the cattle. They have to prod the cattle. How do you? That's not what you do with sheep. You lead sheep. And he is the good shepherd who leads us. He's not a cowboy. He's not herding us. He's leading us. And so we need to understand the good shepherd, he cares for us. The second thing we can note from this passage is that the good shepherd knows his sheep. In verses 3 and 14, we read, The sheep will hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my own, and my own know me. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. If flocks from different shepherds got mixed together. The shepherd didn't have to go and individually go, okay, that one's mine, that one's not, that one over there is mine. That's not how he did it. He went and he called his sheep, and his sheep came out. They heard his voice. They recognized his voice. It was familiar to them. They had a relationship with his shepherd, and so they followed the shepherd out from the sheep pen and into the pasture. I haven't yet seen it, but... Caleb told me that he had a a video, and I want to see this because it's basically a shepherd who's actually leading sheep through traffic in a town. And the sheep keep following him. That's an incredible picture that sheep would just, just follow. Why? Because they know the voice. They trust the voice. They got a relationship with the shepherd whose voice that is. And so they follow him jesus said i know my sheep it's an incredible thing he says i know my own and my own know me and this word know it's not just head knowledge i know how many sheep i have 
I know how many sheep are pure white, how many have spots, how many are black. No. That word no is a word that implies the intimacy of a relationship. I know by practical experience. I know by relationship. I know my own and my own know me. So many people have this idea of who God is, who have this, this, this they, they, they may have even come forward in a church service and maybe they just felt deep, deep conviction or deep, deep guilt or whatever it was. And they've never really entered into this relationship so that Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. We've got a connection. We've got a relationship. There's an intimacy. It's not about obeying rules. It's not about how much money you put in an offering envelope. It's a relationship. A relationship that affects, his, affects everything in my life. Jesus knows me. He calls me by name. Occasionally, I get phone calls. Well, it's actually more than occasionally. The phone rings, and I answer it, and they go, uh, is this James Long? My usual response is, click. Why? What do you call me? You call me Jimmy. I honestly believe that's the way my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't believe it's written as James Arvestus Long II, Social Security number, da-da-da-da-da. I don't even know that there's a last name. There's a good shepherd who knows my name, who calls me by name. And there's a good shepherd who knows your name and calls you by name. The book of Isaiah says that God has our name written in the palm of his hand. Imagine that. Your name written in the hand of God himself. Jesus knows me because he is my good shepherd. The third thing I want you to notice from this is that the good shepherd sacrifices himself for his sheep in verse 15 and then 17 and 18. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. D.A. Carson wrote, the shepherd does not die for his sheep to serve as an example, throwing himself off a cliff in a grotesque and futile display while bellowing, see how much I love you. No, the assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger, that in their defense, the shepherd loses his life and that by his death and only by his death could they be saved. 
This is what makes him the good shepherd above all else. He willingly dies for his sheep to protect them. So here's simple truth. Jesus willingly, willingly died for me. Jesus willingly died for you. This was not a situation where a good man got caught in a bad situation. We can read about that every day in the papers, right? It was not a good man who got caught in a bad situation. It was the God-man who purposefully and without wavering chose to go to the cross for us. What Jesus says is, listen, what it's going to look like on the night they arrest me. What, are they, what it's going to look like on the night of my trial. What it's going to look like when they are beating me nearly to death. What it's going to look like when I'm carrying the cross to Calvary. What it's going to look like when I'm hanging up there on the cross is that I have lost. That my life has been taken from me. That I have gotten caught in a terrible situation. But here's the truth. No one takes it from me. I'm laying it down. I'm doing this on purpose. And I'm not doing it grudgingly. I'm doing it with joy. How do we know that? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us about Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I don't really think about joy and the cross going together. I mean, if someone were going to execute me, I'm not really thinking, hey, that's time to celebrate. What was the joy in the cross? It, it was not the nails. It was not the crown of thorns. It was not the suffocation. It was not the pain. It was not the humiliation. It was not the spear thrust suicide. No. The joy of the cross was your redemption and mine. That Jesus was fulfilling the eternal plan of his Father to die on a cross so that you and, my, you and I might have life, that you and I might be his. He did, his life was not taken from him. He laid it down. Jesus loves me enough. Jesus loves you enough to lay down his life. He paid the price because he is the good shepherd. Let me share one more thing with you because this goes back up and the reason I included verse 10 again. The good shepherd gives life. The thief, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief, in verse 10, he, he mentions thieves and robbers a little bit earlier. If you'll remember as we read through verses 1 and 10 and he compared the thieves and robbers. He was comparing those to the religious leaders, those corrupt Pharisees. He was looking at them saying, you're thieves and robbers. These were the men who condemned the blind man. These were the men who, the blind man who'd been healed. These were the men who condemned Jesus because they didn't believe in him. He said they are thieves and robbers. Here he mentions the thief. Now I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a leap here. And I think it's a safe leap to take. I don't think it is 
beyond, I don't think it's stretching things too much to say that the thief is the one who's behind the curtains pulling the strings. He's called them thieves and robbers. And here he says, the thief. Who is the thief? Is it just one of the Pharisees? Or could it be the one who is behind the curtains pulling the strings? And by that I'm talking about Satan himself. And here's the reason I don't think it's much of a leap. In John chapter 8, verses 40, verse 44, we read, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The corrupt religious leaders unstated objective was to steal kill and destroy and they according to jesus had received their marching orders from their father the chief liar the chief murderer whose objective also was to steal and kill and destroy but jesus says i'm not like that I didn't come to do that to you. I came to give something to you. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it in abundance. And this is a far, far different thing. The Bible tells us in Luke 15, 4, that Jesus is the shepherd who seeks out the one lost sheep. This morning, that might be you. You may be that one sheep who's wandered from the fold, who has put themselves in danger. You need to understand Jesus hadn't given up on you. Jesus, the good shepherd, has gone to find you. And this morning, all he's waiting for you to do is to hear him call and to turn and come back to him it's exciting to hear that six of our teenagers this weekend heard the call of jesus and said you know what i need to recommit my life i need to i need to get reconnected with my shepherd reconnected with my flock i need to begin to follow my shepherd maybe a teenager this morning will lead you an adult to say you know what i need that in my life too the Bible tells us in Matthew 9, 36 that Jesus looked upon the people and he felt deep compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They had no one to care for them, no one who was looking after them, no one who was leading them, no one who was guiding them. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're not connected with God's church, if you're not connected in a small group if you're not connected and serving in ministry then let me call you to come and get connected because this is where jesus is leading he is not only leading us to have our name on the membership role of a church he's leading us to be a part of his mission in this world a part of god's body not apart from god's body a part of what he's doing 
And again, I'll point to our teenagers. They don't, hey, listen, it's great to go off and have a conference and sing fun songs and play games and do all kinds of things and be encouraged by a strong word, but they were out cleaning stuff, helping people, doing things for our community. And sometimes that's where God's leading us. I know on days like this when it's raining, all you want to do is to go home and take a nap. Hey, listen, for some of you, that's exactly what God wants you to do. And you know who you are. But for some of you, God may be calling you to get out of what is comfortable and to get into what he's calling you to do and to be. Jesus came on his father's mission in Luke 19.10 to seek and to save the lost. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what? When you mentioned my name being written on the palm of God's hand, when you mentioned Jesus knowing me by name, and when you mentioned me knowing him, honestly, it got a little uncomfortable for me because I'm not sure I'm there. I'm not sure that he does know me in that kind of way because I don't know him in that kind of way. But today, because of God's Spirit working in me, I've come to realize that I want that. I need that. I need a shepherd like that. I can stand up here and say this morning, not because I'm perfect and certainly not because I'm better than you, but I can stand up here and say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. Because of what he's done, not what I've done. Many of you could stand and say as well, the Lord is my shepherd. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done for you. But some of you, if you're honest, you may realize, I can't say that. But you want it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the Good Shepherd is here to meet you. He laid down His life for you. And you can call Him yours. And He can call you His own. And we've got men and women who would love to share with you what that means. Love to help you begin to have that journey following the Good Shepherd today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and its truth and its power. And Lord, you continue to speak to us and open our eyes and open our hearts. And Lord, I want to pray for those today. I want to pray for those today who need a good shepherd. They know about you, God. They know about your son, Jesus. They know about this church stuff. They may even know about the cross and the empty tomb, but it's never become personal for them. They've never entered into a relationship with you through faith in your son, Jesus. And today, Lord, by your spirit, you're just calling them to enter in. And Lord, I pray that nothing would stand in the way, certainly not the father of lies, who wants to keep them where they are and to keep them out of relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who've wandered off, who need to come back, who need to hear the voice of the shepherd. Come back into the sheepfold. 
Lord, they need that grace, that mercy to return. And today, by your Spirit, Lord, would you call them to do just that? There are some who need a place to belong, who are sheep without a shepherd or sheepfold, and they just want to be part of what you're doing here, God. And Lord, by your Spirit, if you're calling them, let them come. Whatever it is, Lord, that you call us to do, we want to say yes to our good shepherd who cares for us, who leads us, who knows us, and who died for us, who wants to give us life, true life in him. So, Lord, whatever it is you call us to do this morning, we just want to say yes and do it. In Jesus' name. Amen.